NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EBT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT Podcast. Padres EVT Podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times Podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me as usual is the infamous and famous Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? Wow, when did I become infamous? Uh, Just about five seconds ago, I guess. Oh man, this is, this is a weird new <laughs> feeling for me right now. I know I had, I had to change it up a little. I'll give you I'll give you a new adjective every week. The stunning Patrick Brewer, the <laughs> lovely Patrick Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, folks, I threw myself off a little bit there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we decided to do a quick little uh, podcast that actually turned into a full size podcast on the draft special uh, with Kyle Glazer of Baseball America joining us shortly. Um, Patrick and I talked uh, talked to him uh, about the uh, the big five prospects, if you will, that the Padres are possibly rumored in uh, in in uh, in signing uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's been a rough couple days in Padre Land. Uh, the Kansas City, Ro- Kansas City Royals came in and uh, pretty much beat up on the Padres the last two days. Uh, Patrick, your thoughts on the uh, last two games? Man, that Saturday game that was fun to watch, right? <laughs> it, it was initially. <laughs> I love me a good bullpen implosion. It makes me really uh, embrace the tank, you know. I mean, yeah, really feeling it. It makes you wonder if they actually have like a, a bat phone that they call to just let the relievers go. Like here, just toss them in there. It's, yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> I swear someone was like, "Hey, hey, Brad. I mean, we, we shouldn't be winning this game, Brad. I mean, you've been doing well this year, Brad, but yeah, give this one up." Oh, um, we, we don't we don't want to start talking about the Brad Hand losing his trade value in one in one appearance either. Oh, can we can we not? Can we not? <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> I okay. am I'm right. so sick. We'll, we'll save we'll save that for tomorrow's solo show because I, I know oh, that that's definite yeah. fuel for Patrick's fire. Yeah, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, my <laughs> thoughts on the game. Um, I actually like these kind of games. I mentioned on Twitter. I think it it teaches these young players a little something when they when they think they're gonna win and they they just get blown out. I, I kind of like that the idea of them having a bit of a learning experience here and kind of facing adversity in a game. It doesn't matter. I think it's a good time to, to have these lumps and to take these losses. It's a good learning experience. And when this team is good and I said, when, not if, uh, yeah. when this team is good, they're going to, I think they're going to be better for it. Having suffered through this, this downtime for sure. Yeah, no, it, it, it can be brutal to watch at times. And as Padre fans, we're going to need to focus on, on the positives. So let's talk about Jose Perella. And let's talk about Corey Spangenberg. Both of them have uh, put a smile on my face over the past two days. Yeah, um, I, I talked I talked Jose Perel up a little bit in, in some of my down on the farm pieces over the last few weeks. Um, he mm-hmm. was on my he was on my May top performer piece. Um, he had a monster month. Um, but yeah, he's he's tearing it up in the big leagues. Um, I don't think this is a sustainable performance because prior to this he never really showed anything in the big leagues either with the Yankees or the Padres so uh, I, I'm going to remain skeptical but it's nice to see I mean they, they sent Ryan Schimp down for a reason and I think Perella's um, proved himself so far and maybe he can get yeah. it up so we'll see uh, yeah. I'm going to let you take the reins on Spangenberg yeah. that's your baby yeah. <laughs> uh, it's nice to see Spangenberg 
get his swing figured out. Um, I wrote a piece, uh, I guess about two weeks ago, uh, that he had been constantly putting the ball on the ground and constantly chasing the slider with two strikes resulting in strikeouts. And he had a break there where the team left him off the starting lineup for three or four or five games. Uh, it's my belief that he kind of figured itself out and he's changed his launch angle a little bit. Um, we have a piece that's coming out uh, this evening or tomorrow morning that's going to talk a little bit about that. It's a Framing the Friar piece. But his launch angle is up, and the result is it's clear. He's he's uh, he's driving the ball a little better. Uh, he hit in the number five hole today, which is interesting. Um, I don't know if the Padres are going to want him to drive the ball a little more, and if we're seeing that, um, you know, obviously he's not a 20, 30 home run type of guy, but he's got the ability to hit the ball in the gap, and, and, and good things will happen. So it's, it's fun to see him, and... and I love seeing Jose Perella hit right now. Uh, journeyman minor leaguer who's really come on strong. You can get the sense that he's tired of uh, eating minor league meals. He, he wants to eat my major league spreads. And that type of behavior and that type of enthusiasm is, is invigorating, especially for a young team. I mean, a lot of the young players can, can look at him and see the, the enthusiasm he has about the game right now. Yeah, the Padres got a lot of minor leaguers who are that kind of journeyman type, and I think they, they provide a good motivation for the young kids. I mean, you got to go out and earn it. And uh, I, I appreciate your humble brag there, James, about uh, Corey Spangenberg. For those who don't know, <laughs> uh, James James fixed Corey Spangenberg uh, oh, dire- yeah. directly after he fixed Hunter Renfro with with a piece. So yeah, um, who will James write about next? That is uh, the, the $1,000 question. Yeah. Um, go ahead and tweet us uh, with your guess. Uh, let James know who she who she's yeah. – who he should write about next, uh, who you want Definitely. to fix. There's a couple or, names, a couple names or, I should think of, but sure. If any struggling Padres want to, you know, pitch in and 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 and, <laughs> and get a hold of me, I could definitely improve their their major league service time for sure. I mean, I, it's 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 proven track record. I'm already two for two, so you know, it's 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 just golden. You know, I'm I have a, a just an outstanding future ahead of me and 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 improving major leaguers' careers. And apparently I'm bad luck because I wrote about Will Myers at the end of April, and I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we are baseball writers, so you know we do get a, a little bit of uh, superstition in us, <laughs> if you will, folks. Yeah, my bad, um, my bad. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so without further ado, uh, we will be back uh, with Kyle Glazer. Let's talk a little baseball draft. Uh, we are less than 24 hours away. Padres hold the number three pick, and uh, there's a lot of rumors swirling. So let's uh, let's bring in Kyle and uh, discuss what is going on in the in the Padres uh, baseball operational team right now. Thank you so much, folks. Uh, OriginalGrain.com is our sponsor. Uh, please check them out. 2013 is when they uh, moved into the San Diego area. Uh, all of their watches are, are locally made. Uh, you know, it's each collection is unique and, and tells its own story. I mean, you should really check out their stuff. Uh, OriginalGrain.com. Welcome back, folks. We're joined here uh, by Kyle, with Kyle, Kyle Glazer of Baseball America. Uh, what's going on, Kyle? How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Uh, doing excellent. Excited. Uh, you know, the draft's tomorrow. Uh, you know, first off, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's a crazy time of the year for you at, at Baseball America. I mean, you guys are all over the draft. So, um, you know, give us a little bit of insight right now um, on who you think is going to be the number one pick right now for the Minnesota Twins. You know, it's interesting. 
Kyle Wright, you wanted to see him go out and have a really, really good start in the Super Regionals to kind of clinch it up, and, and he didn't. Um, mm-hmm. There have been some reports out there saying Hunter Green would not be the number one pick. Truthfully, he's the best player in this draft. No one denies that. Not picking him would be a kind of risk management strategy, not anything about his talent. I actually do think the Twins go Hunter Green. But okay. there's a lot of people out there who are more connected in the industry than myself, such as my editor, John Manuel, who don't think that's going to happen. But I think what you've seen over the weekend with Kyle Wright scuffling, Hunter Green going in and putting on a show at Target Field, I think ultimately the Twins do make the decision that he's the guy they want. Yeah, no, I, I, just the fact that they brought him in so late before the draft kind of kind of leads you to believe they're, they're really interested in him. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, he's such a talent that... You don't want to let that slip by. You know, Kyle Wright's an excellent collegiate pitcher, but at the same time, Hunter Green could be a, a you know, a, a blue chip type of guy that you build your franchise around. So, uh, you know, do you see any chance at all that he falls to the Padres at three? I know the Reds are heavily interested as well. Sure, there's a chance. Again, no high school right-hander has ever gone with the first overall pick in a draft. And if you look back across draft history, High school right-handers are a hugely risky demographic, especially ones that throw as hard as Hunter Green does. A lot of them end up on the surgery table, and many of them never quite recover or don't live up to their promise. I mean, you know, right now, Riley Pint, the big thrower of last year's draft, uh, last I checked, had more walks than strikeouts and an ERA above five in low A. Dylan Bundy, another hard thrower. Surgery after surgery after surgery, finally made it to the majors, and by the time he does, he's throwing 92 there's a lot of trickiness. People fall in love with velocity, but at the same time, you've got to learn how to pitch. And a lot of times, those guys who are 17, 18 and can just throw a million miles an hour, they never learn how to pitch. They just threw everything by their high school uh, players. And once they get into pro ball, it's a bit, a bit of a shock. And in some ways, you're better off with the guy who, you know, through 88 to 92, you draft him, you get him bigger, you get him stronger, he can kind of bulk up as he becomes a man. And his body can better handle that velocity. But because he wasn't throwing a million miles an hour, he also learned how to pitch. So you look at some of the guys like Noah Syndergaard, Aaron Sanchez, you know, they were throwing low 90s when they were drafted out of high school, but they got bigger, they got stronger, and they really blossomed as as men, as professionals. And those guys were supplemental first-rounders. They weren't taken in the first round. It's kind of funny. You see a lot of supplemental first-round right-handers from high school actually be better than the guys that were taken in the first round. So... To circle it all back, the, where that affects Hunter Green is if a team says, you know, I like the kid, but guys who throw this hard at age 17, 18, we've seen what happens. They, their elbows blow out almost 100% of the time. I don't know if we want to invest $7 million in a guy who might you know, be on the operating table and out for a year and a half. So they might then say, okay, let's go Kyle Wright. Let's go Brendan McKay. And you know, but it's it's a risk management thing, not a, a talent thing. Talent wise, Hunter Green is the most talented player in this draft by a large margin. Definitely. You know, is it set in stone right now that he's going to solely be a pitcher? I've I've heard, you know, contradicting reports that his bat is is pretty legitimate, and that he'd be a first or second round pick if he didn't throw 100 miles per hour. Um, you know, do you think that teams are envisioning him as possibly? Uh, uh, a fallback to rely on the bat if, if the arm, you know, doesn't work out? In general, yeah, but a guy who has the type of arm he does, I mean, he's one of the few guys out there that can be a true number one starter. 
if he reaches his full potential. And you don't mess around with a guy like that. The fact he can hit, and yes, he would probably be a first-round pick as a shortstop, but teams aren't going to mess around with that. He can be a number one type starter in the big leagues. He has the makeup. He has all the ability in the world to do it. That's the most valuable commodity in the game. And, and again, it's not something you're going to mess with. So the expectation is whoever takes him is going to take him as a pitcher. If someone takes him as a shortstop and say, let's let him play short, and if that doesn't work, you can go pitch after, you know, that's not unheard of. But uh, this idea that someone's going to draft him as a two-way guy is, is a fantasy. He's, he's going to go out as, as a pitcher. Yeah, I, I agree that with a 100-plus mile-an-hour fastball, you kind of got to try the guy as a pitcher at least. Um, so if you think Hunter Green goes one, uh, where do you think that leaves the Reds at two? Do they go Kyle Wright? Do they go Brandon McKay? Uh, what direction do you see them going in? I mean, Kyle Wright is the guy who you know throws a little bit harder. He's got a little bit of that pure track record of he's a pure pitcher. Brendan McKay is a really, really exceptional talent, but there's still a split whether he's a pitcher or a first baseman. Um, you know, as a pitcher, a lot of times it's 88 to 91. He, he's you know moves his ball in and out like he's good, but he's not a superstar standout pitcher. I think you know you'd probably lean toward Kyle Wright just because. You know what he can do. He can run it up into the mid-90s. He's got multiple pitches. He's got that experience of being on the mound 100% of the time. But both of them are such excellent, talented athletes that you really can't go all that wrong with either of them, barring injury, of course, which you can never really predict. Hmm. So I, I think you would probably see Kyle Wright, but Brendan McKay is not by any means out of the question. All right, so let's, uh, I guess, move to the number three pick then. Uh I'm going to hold you to it. What do you see the Padres doing at number three? <laughs> Look, if Hunter Green's there, uh, he's he's probably going to be the pick. There's all sorts of you know interference that gets run at this time of year. You hear rumors that contradict themselves, and, and it's just kind of crazy this time of year. At the end of the day, you're going to pick the best player available, and if there's a premium talent like that, the Padres, in all likelihood, are going to pull the trigger. If he's not there and he does end up going number one or two, you know, Mackenzie Gore, the left-handed pitcher out here in North Carolina, is a guy that the Potters have been paying a lot of attention to. Mark Connor's been out here. Don Welke's been out here. You've seen a lot of the, the big guys out here. One of the kind of sayings around the industry is, scout the scouts. Look who is where. Mm-hmm. What teams have, you know, their six, seven, eight guys that are there at the field, the decision makers. And the Potters have sent some heavy hitters in to see Mackenzie Gore. I think there is an expectation around the industry that he would be their guy, assuming Hunter Green isn't there. Mm-hmm. But, again, we've seen teams before take guys who no one thought they were going to take, or they saw them not quite in secret, but you know, not quite to the level you thought they would. Uh, you know, At this point, you'd probably say Mackenzie Gore if Hunter Green isn't there, but the only people who really know that are AJ Preller and Mark Connor. Even they don't really know that because it's kind of depend who goes ahead of them. <laughs> yeah, I think it all depends on kind of how it plays out. Um, here we are, what twenty four hours out. So, um, I kind of wanted your thoughts a little more on uh, Hunter Green and Mackenzie Gore. A little comparison there. Uh, what do you think of the floor and ceiling of those two guys? I, I know Hunter Green's obviously maybe a little more of a risk because he relies on that fastball, and as you said before, that that can be a kind of risky business. And I think Gore is maybe a little more, I don't want to say a complete pitcher. He's got better off-speed offerings. Um, he's got maybe maybe more to bring to the table outside of just heat. Um, so I kind of wanted your thoughts on, on a comparison between those two. 
I mean, the ceiling on both is pretty spectacular. You look at Hunter Green, I mean, your ceiling is maybe Justin Verlander type pitcher. I mean, that number one, no questions asked, you know, winning strikeout titles, ERA titles, contending for Cy Youngs and MVP awards. And if you're Mackenzie Gore's ceiling, you kind of actually look at Madison Bumgarner, another, you know, North Carolina prep lefty. Either way, you're talking about ceilings of, of true number ones, you know, best pitchers in baseball types. Again, when you look at the type of pitchers who tend to have the most success, guys who throw as hard as Hunter Green does at, at 102, uh, the track record isn't great. But at the same time, you know, Mackenzie Gore, who has very good stuff and is a really good athlete, you're betting that he gets bigger and gets stronger and adds that strength and stays healthy. And even that's never a guarantee. Uh, you look last year, Braxton Garrett, who was kind of similar, the top prep lefty on the board. Guys loved his pitchability, had some velo that you could like. And guess what? He didn't pitch at all after he was drafted. The Marlins were a little worried about some of his health stuff. And then goes down and needs Tommy John surgery the next year. So, again, trying to predict you know, how much an 18-year-old's tendon is going to stay attached it's pretty risky because at the end of the day, all these guys are throwing hard. We talk about, you know, 93, 94 almost is not hard. That's actually a plus, you know, that's that's an above average to plus fastball, especially for a lefty. And it's a lot of strain on young tendons that are still growing. So you can never really say, oh, Mackenzie Gore is the lesser injury risk because guys like that get hurt plenty too. So you kind of have to go off of whether you think, you know, one has that more well-roundedness, and then there's some people who suspect Mackenzie Gore does, but I think that short change is Hunter Green a little bit. It's not just the fastball. The slider, there's some disagreement on it, but you'll find a lot of people out there who say, you know, he's got a chance for it to be above average to plus. The changeup, he hasn't had to use a whole lot, but it's looked pretty good the few times he has used it. Um, it's looked really good in some bullpen sessions. He's a good athlete. He can do a lot of different things for your franchise. So saying that, oh, he's just a thrower and Mackenzie Gore is more the all-around pitcher, I think really shortchanges Hunter Green and, frankly, also shortchanges the quality of Mackenzie Gore stuff. I mean, he can bring it. There's no question about it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, Hunter Green, like you alluded to, hasn't really been uh, forced to rely on his off-speed stuff just because he's been able to blow away all this competition in high school and stuff. So, you know, they're 17 and 18 years old, so their future is yet to be determined, but we can all, all three of us can agree that all all three of them have a, or both of them have a, a giant upside. Um, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about Brendan McKay. We we talked about his um, pitching a little bit. Um, I'm intrigued about his bat. Uh, I've seen reports that he's really polished as far as hitting. Uh, his power is developing. Uh, give me a little bit about his ability to be to play first base and whether he'll be able to progress uh, through the minor leagues as a position player. Truthfully, I actually think that's where he's better. Um, okay, okay. It's like John Olerud being thrown on him. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's and and that's that's a comparison that works a little bit because Olerud was also a pitcher, first baseman in college, two way yeah. star, and he ended and up slow, and, and very slow too, just like McKay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think Brendan McKay. If if you like him as a pitcher, it's as kind of a. Number three, you know, lefty pitchability, who's smart on the mound, can definitely do some good things for you. But, you know, he can be a first baseman that can potentially, I mean, I mean be a middle-of-the-order type of guy in the sense that John Oliver was. I mean, he's not going to go out and hit 45 bombs for you at first base. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, be a good all-around hitter with some power, with, with, you know, the athleticism to make some plays over there. He's a good player. And, 
you know, if you're a team looking at, hey, we have a chance to get a really polished bat and a guy that we think can move pretty quickly through the minors at that, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so let's since we're talking about bats, let's let's move on to Royce Lewis, who's probably the the fifth of the big five uh, top prospects or top uh, draft potential picks. Um, you know, I, I'm intrigued on him. I, I've seen the Padres connected to him uh, in some sorts. I I just want to know your feeling on him and whether he'll be able to. I've heard reports on him that his bat is is a little is a little lacking right now as far as power. Um, he runs like a deer, but let's let's talk about him and what his ability is uh, right now. Sure. So with Royce Lewis, he he's played some shortstop in high school. He's really a center fielder, so he's going to be a center fielder at the daily level. Like you said, he can run like a gazelle. He's an incredible athlete. He's got just amazing baseball instincts as well, which you combine with his athleticism. Uh, Just a really good player who's performed playing in one of the toughest high school leagues in the United States, Uh, all the big tournaments. He's always held his own against the best of the best, including when he was younger and these guys were older. He looked like he could hang with them. Hitting-wise, the thing with Royce Lewis that you talk to a lot of scouts out there, they say that what concerns them is he's constantly tinkering in terms of, okay, where should my hands be? Where should my feet be? Where do I need my you know pre-pitch movement to be focused on? You know, where's the bad head coming out? It's, it's, it's something where he has the athleticism to hit, and he's shown he can hit. You know, for all the talk about, oh, he's having a bad year, and he did get off to a rough start. He still hit almost 400 playing you know, in the Trinity League in Southern California with some power, and, and a lot of good things were there. But at the same time, you know, as good as Royce Lewis is, there is not really the consensus as you get with a Hunter Green, with a McKenzie, yeah. talking to yeah. scouts around the area. You know, Southern California was, was my responsibility for draft coverage this year, and you'll get a lot of people who say a lot of good things about Royce Lewis. I've seen him play. He's an incredible young talent. Um, But he's definitely a tier below, again, the Hunter Green, McKenzie Gores of the world, just because, you know, there is some tinkering with the bat, and and it's enough that there's enough evaluators who are well-respected and have been around for a while say, it's concerning enough you can't just say, ah, no worries. I mean... Look, maybe he figures something out in pro ball, and the upside's Andrew McCutcheon. I've yeah. also one scout say he reminds him way too much of Donovan Tate. The tools. Oh. <laughs> I know that was Potter's. Oh. That was a direct quote I got. Um, I just you know, cringed. The, the, you know, the tools package, but so much tinkering with the bat. Just oh. enough, you know, not understanding. Yeah, what, no. What what oh. are now? I, I again. Royce Lewis doesn't have all the other issues Donovan Tate had, so that's that's. Uh, let's stay away from that. But just on the no, but, side with the offense, I mean that's that is a direct quote from from one scout I got who actually has a really good track record of, of wow. scout hitters. So it, it's tricky, and and that's what I'm saying. You you don't get that same type of hedging as you do with Hunter Hunter Green and Mackenzie Gore and. The Padres, I think, recognize that, and that's why you're going to see, I think, one of those two guys go, assuming they're not 1-2, and the Padres are now number three without a shot at either of them. Then things could get interesting. Man, that was, yeah. a, that was a real gut punch there. <laughs> when, when a scout told me that, I definitely used to, because I, I have a lot of memories of seeing Donovan Tate five years in a row in the California League and nothing. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Rough. 
All right, so um, you're not going to like me for this, but um, I'm going to ask you for a top five mock draft right now. <laughs> uh, you're asking the wrong guy. John Manuel is the master of the mock. <laughs> you know, I, I'll say this. I, I think you're, you're very, very likely going to see Hunter Green, Kyle Wright, Brendan McKay, and Mackenzie Gore all go in the top five. I think that, that's a fairly safe bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, who number five in that group is, look, it, it probably, there's a good chance it will be Royce Lewis. Aside from, you know, what I mentioned, that that one scout in particular, you know, mentioned, there's still a lot of love for the kid, and, and he's a very good talent, I think has a chance to be special. I think you'd probably see Royce as the fifth guy in there, but deals get cut, whether that's going to be, you know, one of the Virginia guys, the Pavin Smiths of the world, who aren't really one of the five best prospects in this draft, but, you know, teams look to save money, and wouldn't be the first time and certainly won't be the last. Yeah, from everything I've heard, it, it seems like uh, Green and Wright are the guys to go 1-2. Um, not sure of the order, obviously. Um, I've heard Gore 3. Um, I've heard the Rays like McKay a lot, and I've heard the Braves on Lewis. So I think that's a pretty fair bet that perhaps all five of those guys go in the first uh, five. Although, like you said, who knows who's going to cut a deal, how that's going to shake out. Um, so, so getting off the draft a little bit, I want to talk a little bit, little Padre prospects. Uh, Phil Maton, Matone was called up today, had his first outing. I kind of wanted your thoughts on him and, and what Padre fans can expect from the right-hander. I mean, he's the best relief prospect they've had. He's a guy that was just lights out almost from the moment he was drafted. And, you know, the Padres, you know, speaking with, uh, with some of their front office people even said they were blown away by how good he was. You know, they drafted him in the 19th round thinking he'll just be – you know, an organizational reliever and just use him to, to get some innings, and he just blew them all away with everything he could do. He's a starter in college, and he goes in the bullpen, and he lights out, and I think he's got a chance to stick in the major leagues for a long time. He's got the stuff. He's got the moxie. He's He's been so successful at every level. There's no reason to doubt him, and that's why we had him, you know, in uh, our BA uh, prospect rankings as one of the top 20 prospects in a very deep system because – Finding a reliever who can go in for years in clutch situations and get big outs for you, that's incredibly valuable, especially in today's game. And I think he's going to be a guy that, as long as the Padres are smart and hold on to him and, and don't, you know, try and don't pull a Brad Brack and let him go for nothing, uh, he's going to be around for a while and be a key part of Padres' bullpens for years to come. Man, another gut Nice. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really commend you on not mentioning spin rate with, uh, with, um, with Maton because that seems to be the, the the popular thing with 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 in regards to him. Um, let's talk a little bit about Denilson Lament. Uh, he started off really hot his first few starts for the Padres. Uh, I think fans got a little um, a little clouded on their uh, their judgment of him. He's come down to earth a little more. Uh, he's missing a little bit with his location on his fastball. Uh, you know, let's talk about Lament and whether or not he's going to be able to stick, which probably doesn't seem likely. Uh, let's talk about Lament and, and what exactly his uh, his future is. Well, I still think he's got a nice future as as a member of the Padres starting rotation. Look, guys come up, they have some success, the league adjusts, they get hit a little bit, and then mm-hmm. to adjust again. I mean, that's part of player development. And it's the same thing, you know, on the offensive side. Guys come up, they have success, the league adjusts, they have to adjust back. You know, Lamette's biggest thing was can he spot his pitches well enough? Because he's never going to be a guy who can just paint the outside corner perfectly. But his stuff is good enough that if it's in the right range, he'll get swings and misses regardless. 
the fastballs there, the sliders there, the changeup has gotten there. You see the pitches, you see the strength, you see the body, you see everything. And, and there's no question that this guy is, is a starter and, and probably a pretty good one. He's going to have to adjust, and that's that's part of this. He came up, had two great starts. The league all of a sudden has a video on him, scouting reports on him, an understanding of, of how to attack him, and now it's up to him to make the counter adjustment. And that's what's going to be beyond just you know four starts. That's going to be through 30 starts, 40 starts, until he really settles in and learns how to be a major league starting pitcher, which is a process. Exactly. Yeah. In in the, it's exciting to see him get to the major leagues and have some success because he's the first of the of many pitching prospects that are that are on their way for the Padres, and we're just kind of waiting for them to to get here at this point. The, it's nice to see you know players progress. Um, let's talk about Franchi Cordero, who's really I mean come on strong. Uh, he's an impressive lanky out infielder outfielder uh, you know he moved back to, he moved to the outfield from the infield position uh did you have a lot of uh did you see him a lot when you were in the california leagues uh in lake elsinore and stuff and give us your impression on uh, on the young uh, left-handed hitter i saw him a lot in lake elsinore and he was the guy that jumped right out at you just the long strides in left field were picturesque it was like or in center field excuse me were picturesque it was like a gazelle out there I and mean, he was running down everything in every direction and making it look easy which was Really exceptional. Then you saw a left-handed bat where he was driving balls into both gaps, fastballs, curveballs, changeups. I mean, here was a guy that had been a top prospect, had fallen off the top prospect map. And frankly, when I went in to you know kind of get some glimpses of him, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations. Just figured he'd be you know a guy that was once something and wasn't much anymore. And then you watch him, and he's fantastic. And you saw him zoom up the minors and. That's why, you know, I ranked him, again, as a, as a 21st best prospect in a very good system ahead of some of these, you know, big name, big money, you know, international 16-year-old signees because this was very clearly a guy who's a big leaguer, legitimate major league caliber outfielder. And, again, you know, are you going to win a World Series with Franchi Cordero starting your outfield? Probably not, but is he a big leaguer who's going to be able to do a lot of things for you, especially in the National League, you know, playing three, four days a week, coming off the bench, going into pinch run, playing defense late for you? Absolutely. He's a guy that a lot of teams would like to have, and and he's going to stick around, I think. Um, Frankly, he kind of, he's not as fast as Travis Jankowski, but he does a little more for you, and I think as we move forward, he's going to eventually be the fourth outfielder the Potters hoped Travis Jankowski would be. Yeah, I think at this point it's it's nice that the Potters have so much outfield depth. I mean, you have Renfro obviously out there, Cordero's now out there, uh, Margot's on the DL, obviously, Jankowski and Dickerson both on the DL. That that's five guys that that could be major league caliber outfielders. So it remains to be seen who's starting, who's the fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder. But I think it's good to have options there, and there's there's some good depth there. Um, I, I wanted to go back down to the minor leagues a little bit, uh, get the lower levels. Um, Reggie Lawson threw six shutout innings today, struck out eight batters. Uh, I wanted your thoughts on him and 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 how you think that performance uh, shows what he's capable of. Obviously, it's an impressive performance, uh, but he's also got hit really, really hard. The performances before that, you know, Reggie Lawson, and and this is one of the things I kept hammering home to people is, I don't know if enough people realize how big of a project he is in terms of, you know, adding velocity and shape to his off-speed pitches, to really learning how to drill, drive the ball down in the zone. I mean, everything he threw was always up, 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 and that's why you saw him give up a lot of hits, even in rookie ball. Uh, you talk to the scouts out there, they said, hey, you know, he's got some things to like, but he's a really far away. 
and when the Padres put him up to Fort Wayne this year, um, there's more than a few people I spoke with who thought that was very premature, um, myself included. And it's nice to see him have a good start, though. I mean, he's no question. He's, he's got some things to like, but he's, he's a long-term project. You know, if you're a Padres fan trying to envision what the rotation is going to look like in three years, he's not going to be a part of it. He's still going to be working out some things and probably double A. So it's good to see him have a nice outing. He's a really impressive young man with a lot of good things going for him, but he's not one of the Padres' top 15 prospects. He's, I mean, we had him 31st, frankly. He was outside the top 30 because of how raw he is. You know, maybe you can move him into the top 25, but he's a pretty long way away. So, again, good for him. Awesome to see him have a great outing. You need to see him do it more than once and, and keep the consistency going. Yeah, no, I think we can all agree he's a ways away, but it's nice to see some progression in uh, in the young right-handed pitcher for sure. Um, you know, let's... Last question I have for you, uh, getting back to the draft-related stuff, is, is something that just came up uh, recently uh, today from uh, Hudson Belinsky. Um, some rumors that have been going around uh, that the Padres are looking to possibly be, possibly select uh, someone, you know, say Hunter Green's gone, say Mackenzie Gore's gone with the first two picks, and they're not exactly happy with what they have. Uh, there's been some talk that they could select someone like uh, uh, Helio Ramos, and which would give them a little more flexibility later in the draft. Is is that really something that the team is thinking, or, or uh, you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit. So again, you know, Hudson, um, my colleague, is incredible at his job, and and mm-hmm. at this point in the year, you know, our job at Baseball America is to report what's being talked about, what teams are saying, what's going on, sort of. You know, in the rumor mill, and you have to report it because it's what's being said at the you know major league executive level. Um, but just because it's being said does not mean that oh my gosh, this is definitely happening. This is yeah. you know us reporting. Hey, there's talk of this within the major league baseball industry as a possibility, mm-hmm. but it should not be taken as oh my gosh, this is definitively happening. This is the plan. So. Again, I, I wouldn't go too crazy on that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a possibility. There's always deals that are going to be cut, and it's going to depend, again, on who's gone by the time the Padres pick. But, uh, you know, like I said, that, the report is full of information about what's being talked about. And, you know, take it as that, not as a, oh, my gosh, this is definitively happening. It's meant to be a piece about discussions, and that that's what it is, a discussion. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we can never, you never really know what AJ Preller is doing or what he's capable of. So you definitely have to cover all angles. And, and you know, it's it's a possibility, but like you say, it's probably not likely. I mean, that's just something that's that's going around. And I, I just found it interesting to to hear that uh, that both, I guess, the Rays and the Padres are kind of discussing that uh, that play if if they want to go that route. It's a it's interesting time of the year. Draft is twenty four hours away, so uh, you know a lot of rumors are going out there for sure. Um, thank you so much, Kyle, for joining us. We really appreciate it. You, you know, thank you so much, man. It was it was awesome to hear your point of view so close to the draft. My pleasure. Always happy to have join guys. Thank you so much, man. You have a great night, and uh, we'll definitely be hitting you up after the draft to get your evaluation on on, on the Padres top picks. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Great. Have a good one. Thank you so much, Kyle. Take care, Kyle. Bye.
Uh, well, there you have it, folks. Uh, native San Diegan Kyle Glazer of uh, Baseball America giving us a little bit of insight uh, on the draft, a uh, little bit of a gut punch with the Donovan Tate uh, <laughs> reference to um, – yeah, it's – you know, I was going to ask him about the Donovan Tate <laughs> reference um, to Royce, but, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I it's, it's tough to say what area that the Padres are looking for. It, it was interesting to see – AJ Preller today on television uh, talking about the team drafting the best available talent. So I don't think they're necessarily going to go after a prep pitcher or, or a uh, shortstop or anything in particular. They're just going to take the best talent available. Don't you think, Patrick? Yeah, I think uh, in the first round of the draft, you're taking best talent available. You're not thinking about what position I need three or four down, years down the line. I mean, that's not really much of a consideration. So, yeah, it's really best talent available. And, um, it's nice talking to Kyle. He's he's got always got a lot of good stuff to say. Always great to talk to. Um, for those who don't follow Kyle on Twitter, definitely give him a follow tonight. Uh, he's Kyle A Glazer on Twitter. And since we mentioned Hudson, I guess we should give Hudson a shout out too. Yeah, he's for at sure. Hudson Belinsky on Twitter as well. He's one L in that name, not two. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely good to get the get the experts' opinion on what's going on, especially so close to the draft because things are changing. You know as the days come closer and closer, I mean, Hunter Green within the last couple of days has, has been uh, all over uh, Minnesota and all over the Twins uh, baseball operations. So, it, it you know, it, who knows if, if they're leaning towards that way. I mean, totally before the draft, everyone was, the consensus was they weren't going to pick Green. They didn't like Green. They didn't like Green. But, you know, you, you never know until until the clock strikes midnight, basically. Yep, and we're we're almost at midnight. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, well, thank you so thank you, folks, for joining us. Uh, this is episode forty one of the uh, Padres EVT podcast. Uh, we're sponsored by OriginalGrain dot com. Uh, check them out. Uh, their newest release uh, is perfect uh, for Father's Day. It's a Brewmaster release. It's crafted from German uh, beer barrels. Um, check them out. Uh, OriginalGrain dot com. Uh, local company uh, established in 2013. They, they really make some beautiful stuff. Uh, Patrick and I are really impressed w- with with the quality of work that they they do. So definitely give them a, a, a follow on uh, Twitter as well, and and definitely check out their website. Uh, I think that's about it, Patrick. If you want to head us out, um, we should be back next week with a couple of podcasts at least. Um, we're going to be hitting it hard after the draft as well with a lot of pieces in regards to who the Padres take with their top uh, handful of selections. Yeah, so we're on Twitter. Uh, James is EVT underscore news, EVT underscore J Clark. Um, I'm Patrick Brewer 93. We are hosted on Podbean. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, really anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, feel free to g- give us a like on uh on um, Podbean, give us a follow on Podbean, rate us on uh, iTunes. It's very appreciated. Um, that's about it, James. That's it. Thank you so much, folks. East Village Times Podcast, signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.